Hi, everybody. It's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome or welcome back to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. I wish I had a quarter for every time someone said to me, I, I can worship God anywhere. I, I don't need to go to church. That, that is, there's truth in that, but I, I love what Pastor Tony Evans says about that. He says, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married either, but stay away long enough, and your relationship will, will be affected, right? So we live in a culture that really celebrates independence and self-reliance, like I can do it my, myself. Um, this is one of the many areas that we need to swim against the, the current of our culture. We need to swim against it as a church because we as a church alone, we can do some things, but we can't do as much as we can do when we partner with others. So we are part of a network of churches called Converge. And their, their three main words are to start, strengthen, and send. To start new churches, to strengthen existing churches, and then to send missionaries who will begin new churches in other parts of, of the world. And so we have seen that happen, every one of those. So we have partnered with Converge to plant a church, so Restoration Church 10 years ago in Levittown. We have, we have benefited from the strengthening of our church by just counsel and resources that we have gotten from, from Converge. And then we have sent missionaries through Converge in conjunction with them. They have a, a tremendous vetting process and support process. And so one example is Nate and Jendi Corpy in Panama City. They have a thriving church there. And we were able to be part of that along with Converge. Con that's, that's actually the church planting arm of Converge is where a third of our Christmas and Thanksgiving offerings are going because we wanna see more churches in the mid-Atlantic region, more opportunities for people to meet Jesus and to, to grow in him. So we, we partner together as a, as a church. We also need to swim against the current of, of isolation and self-reliance in our individual lives. So I think most of us experienced during COVID just the isolation of that even in our faith. Like I, I remember coming here and there was maybe like five people that were here and I was preaching to a camera. It was awful. And so we, we did that for a while because that's, that's what we felt we, we needed to do. But it's isolating. And that can become a habit. Like that can become a habit for some people to just say, hey, now that we're, we have services online, it's easy to just watch online in my pajamas. I don't have to make a lot of effort. But when, when we do that, we miss. And I know some people need to do that because of medical issues and, and things like that. But when it's just a matter of convenience, we miss so much about fellowship. We miss sitting here or standing here and singing and looking around the room and seeing other people worshiping. 
We miss being able to be out at the coffee bar and just greeting people and how was your week? And just, just those connections are, are so very important. So our, our culture celebrates independence. God celebrates collaboration. And we're gonna look at three aspects of collaboration this morning that are vital to our spiritual health. We're gonna see those in Romans chapter 15, if you would turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible with you, this morning there's one on a seat close to you, and Romans 15 is on page 1052. We have been studying this year, if you're new with us this morning, we've been studying this year this letter this in-depth exploration of the gospel. This is Paul's most in-depth exploration in, in all of the Bible. And the gospel we see in Romans begins with the sobering news of condemnation, that every one of us is under God's judgment because we cannot live up to his perfect standard. And so that's sobering news. We are under condemnation. But the good news is that Jesus intervened for us and provided justification so that we could be made right with God. And so to be made right with God, he, he takes us another step to say we can experience sanctification. Sanctification is going beyond just being made right with God, but living right before God. And then he promises, he holds out the promise of glorification, that one day that sanctifying process will be completed and perfected in each and every one of us, and we won't even have to think about sin, deal with sin, fight sin anymore. He's going to remove it completely from us. That's the hope of the gospel that we see in the book of Romans. And now as we get near the end of Romans, Paul is getting more personal. And today he's gonna talk about how much he wants to go to Rome, because remember, he's not been there. He's not been to Rome. He's not met these people, most of them, that he is writing to. And so he talks about the fact that he wants to come. We see that in verse 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Now, we should pause there and say, this is the reason. What, what is the reason? What's he talking about? If you missed last week, you can go back to verse 20. And he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. So Paul's ambition is to take the gospel to places that have never heard of Jesus yet. Romans, the, 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 the believers in Rome have a church. It's an established church. We talked way back in January about how that could be apart from from Paul, but there's an established church there, and so he says that's not a region that I need to hurry to get to. I wanna be spreading the gospel where it's not all already. And so he, he's, this is the reason why he says I've so often been hindered from, co to, from coming to you because I'm busy in other places taking the gospel. Verse 23, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions. So he, he's done so much work there. He's planted churches throughout the, the region that can now bring the gospel themselves and he doesn't need to be there anymore. Now he says in verse 24, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So, we won't take time to go back to chapter one, but this sounds an awful lot like what he says at the very beginning of the letter. He says, I, I can't wait to see you. I'm longing to come. And so he bookends this amazing 
explanation of theology and application was saying, I really can't wait to see you. He gets very personal here. And he's doing that because he knows that missions runs on collaboration. Okay, if there are any Duncan fans out there, oh, I forgot it again. Would you, would you bring me my bag? Um, so if there's any Duncan fans out there, then you know I've shamelessly stolen this from the Duncan slogan. And so anyway, we've got missions runs on collaboration here. Missions is not for a, a lone ranger, okay? It is something that we do together. And so Paul makes that really clear. If anybody could do something as a lone ranger, it would be Paul, right? I mean, he's amazing. I mean, he's traveling before travel was really, well, it was very difficult, not as easy as it is today. He's traveling all over Asia and Europe, and he's planting these churches. He's undergoing persecution. He's getting thrown in jail. And even while he's in jail, he's writing letters that we get to read today. So if anybody could do it alone, it would be Paul. But Paul knows that the mission is too big for any one person to do on their own. And so he advocates collaboration in three different ways. Personal collaboration, financial collaboration, and prayerful collaboration. So we're gonna look at each one of those briefly. And I will just tell you up front, this message is really uber practical. So there's a lot of, I'm gonna throw out a lot of ways that you can put this into practice. And there's gonna be too much for you to be able to do all of it um, so, and I'm probably, just heads up, I'm probably gonna step on some, some toes, okay, with some of the things that I say today. So anyway, I'm just, just telling you, and I, I didn't write this, okay, I'm just explaining it to, to you. So you can take it up with the author if you have an issue with it. But um, I wanna just encourage you to just, let's, let's just quiet our hearts for a moment. I wanna encourage us to open our hearts to hear what God wants to nudge you to do as a result of what we talk about here today. We'll just be quiet for just a moment. Lord, speak, speak to us, speak to us individually. Thank you that in a room this size, and, and even in churches all across this country you're, and world, you're able to speak to each heart individually and call us to what you want us to do. So Lord, we, we open our ears to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul first highlights the importance of personal collaboration. He does this in verse 24. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. That word enjoyed has to do with getting filled up and, and to be satisfied by something. So it's kind of, you know, when we think about a cup getting emptied, it's like getting refilled. I'm gonna... I'm gonna get refilled as I spend time with you. When, when we are on mission to do what God has called us to do, we, we get emptied out by that. And, we, and by the way, just we, we are all on mission. I hope that you are on mission. It's not just missionaries that go globally and somewhere else in the world that are on mission. It's not just people who are paid like professional people that work in church. It is it is every one of us, hopefully, that is on mission. Steve talked about this last week, that, that when we live our purpose that God has given to us, that, that brings glory to God. God has a purpose for each, each one of us. So when we're living that out, when, when we are ministering to other people, when we are caring for them, when we are listening to, to what they're dealing with, when we're serving them in practical ways, that empties us out. Our, our pastors, 
I've been in a season that's been really a, a little bit crazy, and we so appreciated a couple weeks ago when the elders came up and, and prayed over us. We had, in the space of three months, we had over 13 deaths just it, as part of our church family, not all people that attend here, but some extended family, and, and we're ministering to, to people who are in their grief. Even beyond that, there were like personal um, people that, that passed aside from that. So our pastors got really kind of emptied out during that time. And the primary way that we all get refilled is to be still before the Lord, to be still, know that he is God, let him fill us up. That's the primary way. But, but close behind that is, is fellowship with others. It's being in the presence of other people who can encourage us and help refill us. And so that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, I, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Now that's his, his goal is to get to Spain because Spain was at that time the ends of the earth. When Jesus said in Acts 1-8 to his followers, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Spain at that time was as far as anybody knew, that's as far as you can go. And so he wanted to get there to take the gospel because that, that's his heart. Now, we don't have any evidence that he ever got there. And it's interesting because he he wrote this letter saying, like, I really want to get there. And he's probably thinking in his mind that the most important thing is for me to get there. And God may have been just thinking, no, the most important thing for you to do is write down this letter. Because for centuries after this, people are going to be learning and living, living by it. So Paul knows that he needs this stop here to get refilled and to enjoy these people's company. So we've already heard a, a wonderful explanation and plug for groups here this morning. So I won't repeat all of that, only to say that I know that being part of a group myself, and I'm so blessed to have group leaders that I just get to sit and be in that group and I don't have to lead, but I've gotten refilled so many times by being there, being prayed for, learning from others. It's just, it's, if you're not in there, if you're not in a group, please, you're, you're missing out, so... Personal collaboration is essential. We need it. The second thing we need is financial collaboration. See that in verse 25. At present, however, so he says, I'm, I want to get to Spain and I want to see you, but at the moment, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. Now remember when we see the word saints here, it's not talking about some special privileged, elevated group of people. He's just talking about people who follow Jesus. So he says, Verse 26, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. These, these churches in Asia, in Macedonia and Achaia, they've gathered funds because there's a need in Jerusalem. And, and so what, if we had time, we would go to Acts 11 and we would see that there was a famine in Jerusalem, and so they, they had a need. So these people in Asia are saying, wow, we, we have a relative abundance right now, and we can share with those who are in need, so we're gonna send that to them. There, there's two principles about giving here, and, and before I share them with you, I, just, I wanna just acknowledge and say that I suspect that as soon as I talk about giving, as soon as I talk about money, there might be a few people who are thinking, okay, here it comes. Like, I just, I know, maybe, and maybe you've never been here before, and you're just like, yeah, that's, this is what they do in church. They just talk about money. Let me just say this, okay? So 
Paul hasn't talked about money at all to this point. And so if you want, I would encourage you, just go back and start in January and just like listen to all of our messages and see, it'll be edifying, it'll be really enriching for you to do that. And I want you to count how many times I've talked about money in the last 11 months. And it's not gonna be very much, but what, because what we do is, what we do here at Grace Point is we just, we teach through the Bible. And if I were to not talk about money today, it would be skipping part here, and we don't do that. So I'm gonna talk about it. So there you go. So two principles that, that we see here. The first is that it's important for followers of Christ to share with those who are in need. And so the, the Jerusalem church was in need. They were having this famine. And so Paul celebrates those churches who are willing to share their resources. And so you can see right here how th this is one example of a way that you guys are sharing. It was so awesome to be here on Friday night and to see all these 100 people here, families here together, people of all ages. We've got a picture of this. Families here packing up these boxes. We've got a picture of this um, from Friday night. There it is. Okay, so... Um, and it was just fun to see like all these people of all these ages like coming together and, and they knew, like Sophie said, like they knew we're, this is going out the door. Like this is not for us. We're helping other people. We, we do have another opportunity to do that as we enter into our holiday season here with our Thanksgiving and our Christmas offerings. So I mentioned a third of that already is going towards Converge Church Planting. Another third of that is going to Samaritan's Purse, who is helping with the, the tragic war that's going on there in Israel. They're bringing humanitarian aid there. And then the last third is going to one of our partners in our focus in the Middle East, Lebanon, um, I'm sorry, Horizons. And so Lebanon just has an ongoing economic mess that they're dealing with. And then this war, because they're a neighboring country, it's affecting them as well. And so, so we have an opportunity to give, like Paul is celebrating here, when, when someone has relative abundance, then to share with those who are, are in need. The second principle that we see here is in verse 27, and it, and it is this. When, when we receive a spiritual blessing from someone, it is appropriate to return a material blessing to them. In verse 27, he says that these churches that gathered these funds, they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to the church in Jerusalem. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, the blessings of the Jewish people, they ought that the, then the Gentiles ought also to be of service to the Jewish people in material blessings. Paul has taken a lot of time in the book of Romans as we've gone through to talk about how God came first to the Jewish people, but then that blessing then gets fanned out to all of the people of, of the world. And so he says it's appropriate because we've received a spiritual blessing from them to return a material blessing to them in their need. And so the principle here is that when you and I receive a spiritual blessing from someone, it's appropriate to return a material blessing to them. I was convicted by this at our men's retreat a few weeks ago because our speaker, Pastor Tim Smith, who's sitting actually right back there, he talked about this very principle. 
And I was sitting there thinking, you know, for myself, like we, we give regularly to Grace Point because we're blessed here, but I also benefit from podcasts that I listen to. Like I, I listen to some sermon podcasts, I listen to some teaching podcasts, and they enrich me, they help to refill my cup. And so, but there's many of those that I, I'm not helping support financially, and I was really convicted, like that needs to change. Like I need to bless them because they've been a huge blessing to me. And so for you who, who are being blessed here at, at Grace Point, it's appropriate if you're receiving a spiritual blessing from our children's ministry or our student ministry or our groups or from the worship that we experience here on Sunday morning. If you're, if you're experiencing a blessing from that spiritually, then it's appropriate for you to return a material blessing to the ministry here. If you're not doing that, that's not healthy for you. It's like, it's like taking in lots of calories and we're in a season where we're starting to like take in lots of calories and not burning any of them off, not, not doing any work with them, not giving anything back. And so um, one, one note to make on this is that as you give to, as, you're, as you demonstrate gutsy generosity towards these gifts that are helping other people in need, please don't redirect your giving that you normally give to Grace Point to those needs. I know that those are pressing, um, but those are to be over and above what your, your steady stewardship is here to us as a church. All right, so I'll step back off your toes now, and then I will note that in verse 24, in case you missed this, Paul is actually subtly asking the Romans for support for his own mission. So here in verse 24, he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. So he's hoping to, to receive some financial help from them. In fact, commentators who, uh, many commentators who study the book of Romans say that's, that's probably one of the main reasons that this book was written. It was, it was about fundraising. He wanted to demonstrate to the Roman people, you can trust my, my ministry. I'm a good investment in terms of, of ministry because my, my theology, my understanding of Jesus is solid. And as I take that to Spain, I'm worth investing in. It's appropriate for, I mean, mission takes financing, and so it's appropriate to ask for that at times. Then Paul, after this description of financial collaboration, he circles back to personal collaboration again, verse 28. When, therefore, I've completed this and have delivered to those in Jerusalem this, these finances that have been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. We've seen personal collaboration, financial collaboration, and the third one is prayerful collaboration. We see that in verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers. Remember that phrase, strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. That, that phrase, strive together, translates a Greek word that, that is agonizomai. Of course, we get our word agony, agonize from that. He's, he's saying, 
He's asking them to agonize with me. The Amplified Version says to, to wrestle, to earnest wrestling with me in your prayers. There's a lot of different ways that we pray, right? We, we praise God. We talked about that earlier. We repent at times to God. We're in humility before him. We, we find comfort in our prayer. Those are all really good and really appropriate. So here's a question for you. Have you ever earnestly wrestled on behalf of someone in prayer? Have you ever earnestly wrestled for someone you don't even know who is on mission with the Lord in prayer? We have an opportunity to enter into that. This is another one of these options for you to put into practice. There should be on the seat close to you a a list of our missionaries, our supported missionaries as a church. And some of them are in places that we we can't, we, we need to protect them. And so we've not even put their name on here. You have initials. And this gives prayer requests. These are up-to-date prayer requests that we gathered from all of our missionaries. And I, would, I wanna encourage you uh, as, as one of your options to put into practice to, to consider striving together on behalf of our missionaries. And I'm, I'm gonna just encourage you, if you haven't been doing this, let's start with something. Let's start small, start with something manageable, 15 minutes a week. Okay, I did this this week, and I got through one side of the page. So if you want to go through all of it, it might take you a half an hour. Split it up if you need to. But to, to strive to get on your knees and to pray on behalf of these people that, are, that in many cases are putting themselves in harm's way. They're certainly all putting themselves in, in harm's way in terms of spiritual battle. But some of them are in very tangible ways in, in danger. One of our missionaries in the last few years has been called in. They're, they're in the Middle East in a country that I can't talk about, but they're there, and they've been called in a number of times by the police and patted down, and they've had their phone all you know, looked through, and who are these people, and who are your friends, and what are you doing in this, in this country? And, and it's, it's very un, unnerving, obviously, and, and when that happens repeatedly, very difficult. They, they need our prayers to persevere in the calling that God has put in their lives. They need our prayers for protection as Paul is praying. Paul is asking for prayers, um, wrestling in prayer, because he is going into the mouth of the lion by going to Jerusalem. He has made a lot of enemies because of his embrace of Christ and the gospel. He's made a lot of enemies among the Jewish people, and so he's going right into the heart of the Jewish faith and he says, I need your prayers. Our missionaries need our prayers as well. Here's another opportunity for you to wrestle in prayer. Every Wednesday night in our heritage room, we have a faithful group of people who are coming together and wrestling in prayer on behalf of our church. On the, Actually, the first Wednesday of the month, they always pray for our missionaries specifically and everything that's going on globally that way. So maybe you don't know how to, to pray and, and wrestle that way. I'd encourage you to come out on a Wednesday night and join that group, and you can learn by listening to others pray as well. To close out our chapter here, Paul circles around again to personal collaboration. So verse 32, he says, I'm appealing to you to to pray for me so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. 
We live in a culture that likes to do it myself. But, but God celebrates collaboration, doing it together. Missions runs on collaboration. Whether you are on mission around the world or you're on mission in your workplace, in your neighborhood, missions runs on collaboration. It runs on personal collaboration, financial collaboration, prayerful collaboration. So, so here's my question, and I want to just give you a moment to, to maybe make tangible God's nudge for you. What, what area, what, what are you sensing that God might want you to put in practice? And maybe if you got a pen, you can jot that down on that list of, of prayer items there. But what, what step towards collaboration can you make today? And then I'll pray for us.